Hi, insiders. Welcome back to a new episode all about a comeback 30 years in the making. Chip and Dale have returned to your screen decades after their successful Disney Afternoon series was canceled. In Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, we catch up with them in modern day Los Angeles as they live amongst cartoons and humans. Voiced by John Mulaney and Andy Samberg, these two gumshoes reunite to repair their broken friendship and take on their Rescue Rangers detectives personas to help find a missing former castmate. You can't help but feel nostalgic when you see these characters on screen again. They're not exactly as you remember them. You know, with Dale's CGI surgery and Chip taking on a career as an insurance salesman. It's a zany and fun film, and even through the hijinks, it still teaches us that sometimes the biggest risk is not taking any risk at all. Later on in this episode, Kiki Lane will be joining us to talk about working alongside this dynamic duo. But talking to us first is the film's director, Akiva Schaefer. Welcome, Akiva. Hi, thank you for having me. So happy to have you here. Let's start first things first. Did you grow up on Chippendale? Uh, I did. I think I'm kind of the perfect age uh, to have grown up with the Disney afternoon, but also because I had two younger siblings who loved it. Chippendale Rescue Rangers was one of my favorites, as was DuckTales. I always wanted to watch Darkwing Duck, but for some reason, I feel like it wasn't in the rotation at the right times for us. So it was always very special. And then oddly, or maybe not oddly, the one that was on all the time in our house was uh, Gummy Bears. Oh, man, those are some great titles that you're throwing back out there. Darkwing Duck, I remember that one too. Okay, so clearly this was a part of your childhood. For a moment of perspective, what would kid you think of directing this movie now, Chippendale Rescue Rangers? I mean, Roger Rabbit was also very formative for me. I thought it was the coolest thing I had ever seen. So getting to make something kind of in the same style of live action universe as Roger Rabbit. I think that would have been what would impress the young me the most. And then to that end, I was just telling somebody about how, so whenever we could use original voice actors for parts or original artists who had worked on the original, um, you know, characters, we would. So for Roger Rabbit specifically, Charles Fleischer came in and did the voice. So in terms of the moments that would have made the kid me flip out or where I just truly flipped out as the adult me was getting to watch him come into a room, get on mic, speak normally. And then like any good voice actor go, okay, now I'll be Roger Rabbit and just go into that voice. That's kind of the surreal moment when you get real excited. I was going to say that sounds very surreal, but very cool. Just the transition from day to day to voice actor, just really cool. Just knowing your history with Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Okay, so how did this film come to be? How did you get on board? Where do you begin in this world? By the way, the same voice acting goes to, I just went to Roger Rabbit because it was pretty damn exciting, but, or pretty <laughs> dang exciting for the Disney um, thing. Uh, but um, Corey Burton and Trust McNeil, it was the same thing because they did Chip and Dale when they're in their high-pitched voices, they came in and did their high, the original. You so know, cool. Original voices. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, definitely formative for me as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, I read the script in late 2018, early 2019 for the first time. And it came to me the way anyone, any of them would through agents and stuff. And I'll be honest, I was like, oh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. I remember them. I loved that show. Really, the theme song is what comes to mind right away. The Chip, 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 Randale. <laughs> yeah. So that's what was in my head. And then, but I will say, Right off the bat, I go, oh, it's going to be like for little, little, little kids because chipmunk movies, because of Alvin and the Chipmunks, because of the Smurfs, they, they aim really, really young. And mm. those movies are really great for what they do. As an adult, they're not the ones that I would be excited to spend years of my life making because they have less for adults. And then 
the title page said the Chippendale Rescue Rangers reboot that nobody asked for. And I was like, hmm, that's a little, yeah, that's a little edgy for Disney. That's a little self-aware. <laughs> and so that, that got me to, by design, got me to open the script. And I think, you know, the writers are no fools. They put that on there for a reason. And all the main things that remain in the movie today were in that script I read. The script was actually from 2016. It had been sitting on the shelf for a few years by the time mm. I got it. You know, the fact that they're in two different animation styles, almost the entire movie was in there. And that sounded really exciting to me because once again, there is Roger Rabbit. There are, you know, the dancing with the penguins in um, the original Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. You know, yeah. MC Scat Cat dancing with Paula Abdul. There's a tradition of animated <laughs> characters with live action. It's not that that was something so new, but but this version of it where you have claymation next to puppets, next to motion capture, I had never seen something like that. And then I'm also a big fan of like California detective movies like Lethal Weapon or from a comedy standpoint, 21 and 22 Jump Street or Beverly Hills Cop or <laughs> Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2 in Miami. You know, there's kind of that sun-kissed detective cop movie that is its own genre that I am just a big fan of and so I kind of saw just a combination of so many elements it sounded it just seemed kind of unique it really does it fires on all cylinders like you're saying there's like the nostalgia element you mentioned it earlier specifically the voice actors and obviously playing to the nostalgia the voices that we hear in this film for Chip and Dale are different than what fans have heard before. So how did you find the voices of Chip and Dale and Andy Samberg and John Mulaney? I think you go way back with them, right? Do you, you might know them. <laughs> yeah, I do. Andy, I met in eighth grade. So I've known Andy for a long time. I love that. And Mulaney, we, he was a writer at SNL at the same time I was a writer. I was just excited to get to cast my friends and hang out with my friends. You know, you get older and you have kids, you don't get to see your friends as much. You got to figure out excuses mm. as a way to hang out. Also, they're two of the funniest people out there. And so <laughs> I get lucky of that because I could have just cast some of my other friends and they wouldn't be famous or funny at all. So I got lucky <laughs> they were the two <laughs> I chose. And the characters, you know, it it's a classic odd couple and it always has been in Chippendale. You know, there's a reason that Dale you know, going back, not all the way to the beginning, I don't want to give a Chippendales uh, history lesson, but in the four, 1940s and 50s, they were more like twins. And then as they mm. kind of new artists did new shorts and new stuff, they started kind of getting into these characters where one was the goofier, clumsier, uh, lower IQ, let's say, and one was the smarter, a little bit more the leader. And as they kind of went into those things when um when they created rescue rangers you know they they leaned into that and so that's why he does have kind of like dale has the clown nose it's red and the buck teeth <laughs> and the poofy hair and chip has the chocolate chip nose and he's more you know leading man etc hawaiian shirt versus indiana jones you know so so the characters were all already kind of there from previous to rescue rangers from the old rescue rangers show from the 90s and then in the script and comedies like the ones I mentioned that were, um, you know, like those action comedies, but also like Trains, Planes and Automobiles or literally The Odd Couple, you know, uh, Farley and Spade, Chris Farley, David Spade movies, you know, like you, th there's a long, I don't, I don't need to keep naming, but Laurel and Hardy, you know, just like Gavin <laughs> Costello of two characters where one is the slob and one is the neat freak where, and so in that classic thing, it's like, well, who's, who's my Steve Martin? Who's this, you know, now? And it's like, well, who'd be better than John Mulaney? 
and who is the goofball and my buddy Andy is a known to be quite a goofball. Yeah. You had the perfect group of people to draw from, it sounds like. But with them in particular, we started off with you saying that obviously the script was pretty much in place like a few years ago. And then with people like them, improv, they're just all-star comedians. How does that work throughout the filming and like just seeing them kind of approach the characters? Like how much of this final product was shaped by them just having fun or riffing as they were recording? I don't know the actual percentage, but I mean, but there is a lot of it in there. There's, there's, that's the beauty of hiring people that are also really good comedy writers in their own right, which obviously John Mulaney is one of the best comedy writers. And Andy, I think people would be surprised to know how much he actually writes. I guess any performer at SNL really ends up writing a lot of their own stuff. And so that is what you look for. So that when you get in the voiceover booth, they can do it a couple times as written and kind of understand the scene and then just do whatever they feel like and you try to find the parts that'll actually work in the movie and uh and it's so i hadn't really done animation before but i was really looking forward to the process of that you get a lot more like bites of the apple in improv in in the you know if you go to a uh, a normal live action movie set and you have a couple hours to film a scene you do it a couple times as written and then everyone improvises and then you try different versions different versions because you're on the clock and then you go all right, I think we got enough moving on and that's it. And then you try to edit it as many ways as you can to find the best version of the scene. In this, you do a similar thing. You're on VoIP, you know, you're doing, you're in the studio, you do the scene a few times, then you go with storyboards, previs, animatics, you cut it all together. And then you can immediately go, all right, what else do we need? And do it all over again. And I, there was a moment where the whole movie was recorded on my iPhone and I was doing every character. Cause it was during the pandemic, I was at home. My editor was oh my at the house and we hadn't recorded the voice actors yet. And we were just putting together things. But even in that process, me alone, I wouldn't be good at improvising a bunch off the top of my head. But when I could do the whole scene, we put it in, you could watch it. Then you go, oh, it should be different. So you're rewriting it constantly and then get them in. They do a bunch of stuff, then show them the scene. Then they, that gives them new ideas, Andy and Melanie, then they can redo lines. So you actually get to do improv style stuff over and over and over, which is great. It sounds like you guys had a lot of fun. That's so cool. I want to talk a little bit more about the world in which they inhabit. So it's a modern world, but the characters are cartoons and humans. And obviously we talked about who framed Roger Rabbit. Can you talk a little bit about this world? And then also, I mean, we have to talk about the decision for, to, for Chip to be an insurance salesman. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about this world and then that decision? Yeah, I mean, the, the world is the real world. I mean, it is kind of the Roger Rabbit world or not even, I don't know if, I don't know if we're canon to Roger Rabbit, but it is this idea that tunes live amongst us and any generate, any style of animation that has existed in the history of animation would then exist in our world. So I, I loved thinking about in pre-production when I was even having to explain the movie to people like, for instance, there's a scene at a Comic-Con style convention, a fan con, where I was like, so you'll have humans, then you'll have humans in cosplay humans in cosplay as cartoons, then you could have actual famous humans who are there to sign autographs. All right, and then you can have cartoons. But some of the cartoons can be famous cartoons like Lumiere. Then you could also have a cartoon <laughs> that is dressed up as a human. So you could have the example I always would give in for whatever reason I was trying to explain the movie is like, so you could have like a cartoon hippopotamus, but they're in cosplay as Sailor Moon. And you could have 
so the possibilities in there were, were just limitless. Just like some people are famous in the real world and some people aren't. You would also have like a cow teacher at the school that just happens to be a cartoon. Not every cartoon is famous. There's some that are just janitors and teachers and bus drivers. And it's just a world that has, and that's not even getting into, as you were saying, like, you know, stop motion, video games, motion capture, Pixar style, cartoony, uh, 2D, 3D that's been tune shaded, like all the different genres of animation that can go. Yeah, it was a big question. Like, what is this thing going to look like? How, how do you get them all into one frame? Well, I think that's why people are so excited about this film is because there's a lot of what we grew up on, like represented in the film in terms of animation and then seeing it in the modern world. I would want to ask you, though, with so many great Easter eggs, like you mentioned, and throwbacks to the 80s and 90s, what would be one of your favorite like Easter eggs that you added into the film for people to see? So a really nice one that I was really proud that we were able to get in and I was really proud he wanted to do it and I, and I think it's really nice is that Tad Stones is the co-creator of Rescue Rangers of the original show. Mm -hmm. He also made Darkwing Duck and the other guy Alan Zaslov is, is, was his like mentor, older one and so he has passed away at, at a nice old age. So he's not around. But Tad Stones was the younger guy getting it done. It was his thing and he is still around. He's great. We zoomed. We, we hung out on, and I, I don't know, it was all a thrill. He did the voice in the movie when Chip and Dale are in their young Hollywood days trying to you know, make it in show business and they get the Rescue Rangers show. There's a moment when they have a phone up to their ear and there's an, an uh, unseen Disney executive who says, Chip, Dale, how would you like your own show? And that is Tad Stone's voice doing it. Oh, that is so cool. Akiva, I love that so much. That's very heartfelt. And thank you so much for telling us all about Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers and everything that went into the making of the movie. We're so excited for this movie. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, Insiders, we have one of the stars of Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers here with us now, Kiki Lane. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. (laughs) We're so excited to have you with us today. Tell us about your character, Ellie Steckler. Uh, So Ellie is a young detective who, lucky enough, (laughs) gets to team up with her idols, Chip and Dale, to uh, solve the latest mystery. (laughs) I love it. And the theme song, it's like I already have it in my head already. (laughs) Sorry, let me not start because it will never leave. (laughs) I spent months with that theme song in my head. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's so iconic. Obviously, as you said, the duo that you're working with, they're iconic as well, but they're CG animated characters. What was it like filming with them? Uh, You know, (laughs) I underestimated the challenge uh, that this film would be uh, because essentially I never had any real scene partners. Uh, They would just set up a puppet or a piece of tape for me to look at for my eyeline. And um, funny enough, when I was filming, we didn't have Andy and John's recordings yet. So I was actually working with Akiva's voice recordings. And so they would just press play and say action. And well, that was that. But um, thankfully, Akiva, he had such a clear vision for what every scene was going to be, what each character was doing, how the characters move. I mean, he was even specific about how much the characters weighed. (laughs) I have a fight sequence and he said, Kiki, he's actually heavier than that. So you have to react in a different way. But it's that level of clarity, you know, from Akiva that allowed me to 
feel very grounded, even though there was so much that wasn't actually there in front of me, you know? Sure. I mean, that's got to be really important, as you said, because you're just trusting so much in that space. And I love how it's almost like you said, it was Akiva and Akiva Rescue Rangers, because that was the voices. (laughs) (laughs) So another really fun thing about this movie is there's so many cameos, like there's so many Easter eggs from the 80s and 90s. What were some of your favorites? Um, gosh. Okay, so a a really fun moment for me was walking into that garage space where there's just all that memorabilia. Like, that just took me back, you know, seeing all these different toys and all of these things that, you know, we used to play with. Um, And then in terms of characters, (laughs) I think one of my favorite cameos is Ugly Sonic. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's just... It's just so much fun. Um, And then I'm a huge Lion King fan. So to be able to say that I'm in a movie with Pumbaa is pretty awesome. So (laughs) I mean, get out of here. That moment when it's like, yeah, it's like Seth Rogen's characters meet. It's just like, yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Oh, my God. So I have to ask then, you mentioned that, like the throwback, the nostalgia in that one specific area that Dale has, like all the memorabilia. Did you grow up on Chip and Dale yourself? Uh, no, so I didn't watch Chippendale uh, so much growing up, but what I connected to was just how much I love animated films and, and series. And I think that's what's special about this film that even if you didn't necessarily grow up loving and watching Rescue Rangers, there's probably going to be at least one character that makes an appearance in this film that you're just going to be like, what? They're in this movie too? Um, because it <laughs> celebrates that. It celebrates all of these characters. It celebrates what animation has been for so many of us across all these generations. So that's exciting too about, I think, all of the different age groups that will be able to enjoy this film. I think that's going to be something that's really exciting for audiences that, you know, you might be the, you know, 40 year old parent watching it with your 10 year old, but plot twist, you both love the film. (laughs) You're both getting a kick out of this, you know, adventure of these two chipmunks, you know? I love it. And as you said, it's like the Chippendale Rescue Rangers theme song will always be with you. So yes. even like you're inducted into the family now. Yes. So you, you mentioned a lot of that, like generations, just like being a fan of this. We have some questions for you about okay. your Disney fandom. Are you ready to take on the Insider Five with us? All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right, let's begin with what is your earliest memory of being a Disney movie fan? Lion King. <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, I kind of was like, you already had it in there, but do you have like a memory? Like when you first saw it, like that was one of my favorite movies, like one of my first memories too. I don't have a memory of when I first saw it, but I definitely remember making my dad watch it with me essentially every single day. Like every single day. I mean, I had VHS, like even when VHSs were done and gone, still have the VHS. DVDs, like it just, oh gosh, <laughs> that's like that's like my movie. <laughs> that's so cool. It's so cool. And then you're in the Disney family now with Chippendale mm. Rescue Rangers. That's really cool. Drink All right. <laughs> Next up, you are invited to a Disney themed costume party. Who or what do you dress as? Ooh, that's <laughs> hard. Yeah, it depends on on which vibe, like which kiki vibe I am. Like, am I more like princess, soft and sweet, or I'm gonna walk in like, I am your favorite superhero, hear me roar. (laughs) 
know what? We might have to change this question for future people. What is your Kiki vibe at the Disney <laughs> costume party to then set the tone for the rest of the question? <laughs> I love that. It's a great answer, though. <laughs> okay, next question. It's Disney karaoke night. Ooh. What song do you sing? Uh, I can't wait to be king. Oh, I love it. Such great. That's such great. The performance everywhere, just the colors. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> yes, I love that scene. It's like iconic. Just the colors. Oh, <gasps> sorry. I'm like, I love I'm this. tonight. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> I love it. That's what it's all about. That just that love, that nostalgia. If you could only ride one ride all day at a Disney park, which would it be? The last time that I was there, my dad made me get on a ride that I actually was too young to get on. And it was like some scary alien ride. And I kind of was traumatized. Um, <laughs> I can't remember which ride it was, but it was like an alien like flying around or something. And you could like feel it like breathing on your back. It was, oh, and I was traumatized. I wonder if that was Lilo and Stitch. I wonder, have you been to the one at Disneyland? Like the ones like, know. you know, there's like, Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean or no, I no. Okay. Okay. Which Disney character has the best life advice and what is it? Hmm. And never feeling too small to stand up for yourself and to stand up for others. You know, that's such a big part of what Rescue Rangers has always been. And I think why so many people connected to the original series, you know, it's it's the little guys standing up for themselves. And so we definitely continue that in this movie because at first you see them struggling with like, at first they just want to give it all to the detectives, like let them handle it. And then they realize like, no, it's actually up to us and we can stand up for ourselves and we can stand up and help our friends. So yeah, that's my big advice right now. <laughs> that's very magical. And then I think it's just super cool that we talked to you today about one of your first memories, The Lion King, and how now you're a part of the family and your life advice from a Disney character is coming from your movie. So congratulations, Kiki Lane, on this. We're so excited that we got to talk to you today. Thanks Thank so much. Thank you so much. That's our show. Dale Rescue Rangers is now streaming on Disney+. Plus. So you don't miss any upcoming podcast episodes, subscribe and follow Disney Movie Insiders Presents. And while you're there, we'd love it if you gave us a rating and review. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com or our app and enter bonus code MONTEREY. The code expires June 14, 2022 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Time. Membership is required. Limit one redemption per account. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com for terms and conditions. We'll catch you next time, Insiders, with more Disney Movie Magic.